All right. So you ready to get last time we didn't get weird. You ready to get weird this time? I'm always ready to get weird. How dare you ask me that question? How <laughs> dare you? <laughs> okay, let, let's get it. <laughs> okay. So you've already said it's the hope that kills you. And goddamn, this is a good episode. A great finale. Okay. So I know one of our questions is, is did you like it? Mm-hmm. Before we, it is a perfect episode of television. Perfect. It is a perfect episode of television. It's great. I feel All like right. we uh, might have some differences of opinion later, but overall, we are complete agreement. I'm that very it is excited perfect. to see what our our differences of opinion are. Oh, I always love that. Okay, so we enter with young Nate walking into the kit room, and all the boots are clean, all the towels are washed and laid out fold it all neatly mm-hmm. and Nate's like what the hell is going on he's like starts wigging out um he runs yeah. into a new guy and he's like who the hell are you this guy introduces introduces himself as Will um the new clubhouse attendant and Nate's all like I'm the clubhouse attendant like what are you talking about the guy sticks mm-hmm. out his hand to like shake Nate's hand mm-hmm. and Nate swats it away when he sees Ted and Beard enter the room this is this is foreshadowing, and I love it. It there's so much foreshadowing on Nate. There is because Nate flips the fuck out first before he gets the real like. It was very sweet though. Ultimately, he oh yeah he this actor he straddles He's so good. Is it Nick Muhammad? Yeah, he straddles the line between like a cuddly, sweet, like just little man that you're rooting for. To like a terrifying sadist. Well, I think he makes it relatable because he it, it comes and he displays it so easily. What his bad behaviors come from deep rooted insecurity put there by his father, mm-hmm. and that makes it a little. They make it a little bit more clear in in season two. But um, like you can, especially in season one, it's very relatable. Like. Um, and a lot of it comes across as just doing his job, maybe a little too vigorously, but just doing his job. And like coming in and seeing someone else do his job would be like, I don't know in that situation that I would handle it maturely. Like, I would I would be wigging out, but I yeah. wouldn't have swatted the guy's hand away no. or said some of the things that he said to no. Beard, t- uh, Ted and, and Rebecca when they came in. Mm-mm. Like he just does like a little click. To, it's a click over you know what a what a the average what would person be would an do. appropriate like yeah and and it's clear everyone there knows he's a little bit high strung mm-hmm. and so they kind of forgive it and not realizing there's more there's there's something sinister under it but you know what yeah they they miss it i think but you know what i did love was mm-hmm. when when ted comes in and you know um i've been saying beard but it was ted and higgins that came in and they're on the phone and they're doing their little routine about like, uh, I don't know, I don't know what's so going pleased. on. I don't know. They're so pleased with themselves. So Ted plays into Nate's fear that he's getting fired, right? Because mm-hmm. Ted's like, oh, is he, did he get fired? I don't know what's going on. Yeah. <laughs> I love that little moment of, of quick improv from um, Ted Lasso to really. Well, it can't uh, be improv. He hooked Higgins into it. No, the, the phone thing uh, was coordinated. But Nate Nate first says. Am I getting canned? And then Ted is like, what is he getting fired? Like playing into the phone conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, so I love that little bit. 
Nate calls Rebecca a shrew when she comes in with the new contract. I mean, he's going, he's going like, he's going ham almost like, yeah, he's he's not quite, yeah, he's like not quite to full on inappropriate, but he was about to get there. Yeah. And of course, um, they like, they correct him. They let him know what's going on and, and uh, fill him in on the joke. He's not being fired. It's even worse. He's being promoted. And then, <laughs> and then all of the, the gang comes out from the it's gaffer's a special office whistle. where they were all hiding. Yeah. Uh, Ted gives him his own whistle that is sad because it's never been blown before. Just like Colin. Just like Colin. <laughs> <laughs> Poor Colin. Burn. Burn. I know. You don't I, like Colin. I know. Yeah. No, but you called this in one of our earlier episodes. I was calling Colin Welsh hole for several He's, episodes in a row, but now I feel, I feel. Uh, well, he gets filled out as the show goes on, which is just, he's kind of a dingus, but he's not, he's not bad. Yeah. He's not. He's, I'm going to take back the moniker Welsh Hole because I feel more um, kindly towards him than I did to start out. Mm-hmm. Um, so I thought that um, Nate was going to pull a like full on like kissy fit before he realizes what's happening. I thought he was going to pull like a you can't fire me. I quit and start like going off on people. Um, but he didn't. And when the team comes out, they literally hoist him over their head. And like a full-on Rudy moment. Like I, I could have sworn. Like I was sitting on my couch going like, Rudy, Rudy. <laughs> I loved it. It was so good. Um, but I do have a question for you about this. Yes. So given how well Nate has been doing with like game strategy and pitching in on the managerial side, why on earth would he think he was getting fired? I think it's just a confidence thing. I think so too. It's just, and like, to be honest, yeah, like he's new, he's new to being respected. So we might've thought he overstepped. Yeah. Because he's been like welcomed into the team and everything. And I just felt like it was a sign that he, he's just chronically insecure, like to the point that it's dangerous. Well, that gets made that again, that gets made apparent later. Yeah, that's true. All throughout the episode. They place those seeds very effectively from episode one. Yeah, it's very good. I mean, goddamn writing. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's very hard. I Talent, have... Talented people. Yeah. A couple things that I wanted to point out mm-hmm. from this scene. Oh, actually, just one. Ted called Nate, Nate Dog, which I thought was so cute. And uh, RIP to the best hook singer that uh, we've ever seen. <laughs> All right. So in the next scene... In a nice bit of symmetry, someone gets promoted and, of course, someone gets demoted. And that's Roy Kent, who is having to accept his place on the second team, uh, which he started to do last episode. He comes into Ted's office to inform him that he has to pick a new captain. And, of course, Ted doesn't know this this rule of, of football over in Europe. The captain has to be on the field. That the captain has to be on the field, right? I love this scene. I love the scene of them bickering and Beard loves it. Yeah. He fucking loves it. He's like, he's like. Beard's watching a play by play. Like he's watching like One Life to Live or something like that. Yeah. Like- <laughs> he's like, he's slowly like. And then like 
uh, Ted continues to be like demure and like he he wins the argument basically. Ted wins the argument, and and then he goes. He ends with, "This is why it's it's hard to love you." And yeah. stalks out, <laughs> and Beard is like, "Did you hear? Did you? God damn it, Beard! You dingus! I love it. Like he uh, loves you. He loves you." <laughs> yeah, that was um, a huge payoff for Ted because you that know that so cute. Yeah. That that was like a, a shining moment for Beard and Ted to finally get Roy Kent to admit that he loves him. <laughs> yeah, it was great. So, okay, it's clear from the scene, one, Ted still doesn't know soccer rules. Um, no, he needs to get the he needs to get his shit together. This vexes me. But two, if that's the case that the the captain needs to be on the field he says that he wants Roy to do it he wants Roy to pick the next captain he insists and says that the position will remain unfilled until he does Um, Mm -hmm. so that's where we leave things in the next scene the team is preparing for the final game of the season which is against Manchester City Jamie Tart's current team Man City baby Man City Ted thinks the best approach is to treat it like any other game but the fellows quickly point out that it's not like any other game. They face relegation, and that's bad for many reasons. I mean, they get kicked out of the league, one of which I thought was really interesting that they brought up, which is the team could be broken up. Um, well, <clears throat> they point out that once a team faces relegation, they rarely, like, the team gets broken apart. And I, I believe the implication is, is that, like, if this is my, this is what I was thinking about, like, just because the team faces relegation doesn't mean the individual players are not good. So, like, probably Danny Rojas would be poached or, like, Sam. Like, some yeah. of these more standout players would be poached to yeah. Premier League teams instead of championship-level teams. Yeah, because Colin said that he was on – I forget which team he mentioned. It's Welsh, his own – Cardiff, I believe. Cardiff, yeah. He was on a team uh, that got relegated before coming to uh, Richmond, so – and his grand still doesn't die without speaking to him again. Yeah. Which was a joke, but also sad. Uh, Yeah, they take it really serious. They take, like, football really seriously over there. So I could see that happening. It's like gangs, you know, over there. I mean, it is. <laughs> which is something that I love about Ted Lasso is that we never really see, like, scary soccer, soccer hooligans. hooligans. No. I don't we just think... see uh, the, the group in the pub, you know, Baz and all those guys. So. Yeah. Not very intimidating. <laughs> Baz looks like a weasel. It's hard to be, you have to be sinister. He doesn't look like a sinister weasel. He looks like an ineffectual. Weasel. I shouldn't say that. That's mean to say about someone. He's, he, he's, you know. But he's not threatening. No, he's not threatening, no. which is important. Slightly annoying, but not Yeah, and, he's, he, and he comes, he comes, he comes to at the end. And you see him like apologize for being a jerk. And that's, that's what's important. Yeah. So Ted turns the floor over to Nate at this point, who goes hog wild on that whistle. Another tell. Not inside. If you're paying, they repeat. Yeah. If you're paying attention to to uh Mr. Nate over here. Nate likes to kind of like I said, I keep calling him a sadist. He likes to kind of inflict pain on people. He likes to punch down. And another thing that he is good for, is really great at is motivation. But the way that he motivates is usually through inspiring anger through upsetting people and inflicting more pain. So he plays a video of Jamie Tart <clears throat> of Jamie Tart talking like cash it about the rest of the team. And Jamie actually starts out like saying like, "Oh, you know, I would never, you know, talk bad about my former team. 
you know, they're good guys, except for Roy Kent. He's a knob. Uh, and he says that he carried them through every match. He calls Ted an American, American rodeo, rodeo clown. clown which <laughs> he's not. Uh, he, when he gets when he gets going, he's it's it's a touch. Like it's I, a touch. Like I said, that physical comedy and Ted, he's really good at cooning it up, which is a rodeo clown's job, right? Mm. <laughs> like to distract. To, to uh, make a fool of yourself and distract the bull. So I see where I see where Jamie's going with that. All right. Not nice, but I get it. Um, a lovable. Ted's a lovable rodeo clown. How about that? I mean, I like rodeo clowns. They <laughs> they do distract and keep people alive in rodeos. If they're well. yeah, if they're doing their job correctly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's a dangerous job. I don't think being a soccer coach is that dangerous, though. Well, so. it is England. Not unless the hooligans come after you. Yeah, and even then, they don't have guns. So really, just run faster, Ted. Run. <laughs> um, and Jamie says that he's going to put the final nail in the coffin. And ooh boy, does he get to do that. Oh, I don't want to talk about it. Though it's perfect. And then Isaac launches <laughs> that chair at the TV. And he just goes, oops, in it. Oops, in it. <laughs> <laughs> I really, I really, yeah, like Isaac fully hulks out on that one. <laughs> Yeah, God damn it, I love Isaac. And then, then you get, and then you get a quick slip in of Roy going, "Well said." <laughs> <laughs> so, I'm like, "Yes, yes, Roy would love that." That's right up Roy's alley, and it maybe is. some of the reason that um, Roy picks him later to take over as captain, right? But yeah. um, I really want to find a way to start working in it into uh, like a, my American vocabulary. I want to do "oops" in it, but. People just look at me strange if I did. They would. They wouldn't understand it unless they watched a lot of British television. And then they'd be like, because it doesn't work unless you do the full accent. Yeah, it doesn't work without the accent. It really, because you just say in it and you're like. I'm okay. I'm okay with being a weirdo, though. You know, I've adopted some British (laughs) slang. Like what? Bangers Uh, and mash? No, I can't think of it offhand. What do I, what do I, what do I? I say put out a lot. Um, I like doing the I like doing the F's, which is also like a, a hood black American thing. I like doing the F's for the TH. I like doing that. Sometimes. Oh, you know, like uh, when Isaac says like, like he's fake. doing the countdown and he says like three, but he says free. Free. Yeah, that's funny to me. Um, hmm. But we he also so, skips eight when he does that count. He, he goes, does. And one, we're going to talk about. Why We're gonna talk about that. Eight? I'm gonna I'm gonna ask you about that later. I have no fucking We'll get clue. to it. All right. The difference with the TH and the F with them, just because it's on my mind right now, in Britain they do it at the front of the word, and in America we do it at the end of the word. Mm. Like South. Yeah. 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 Well, and I wonder why they well, because in languages in, in, in places where they don't speak English natively and they don't they don't um and they don't learn it young. It tends to be an S sound that gets replaced. So let's, I, it must be, it has to be an accent there specifically and yeah. not a, and not derived from like immigrants who couldn't, who couldn't speak no, English. No, because you even have, you have native speakers that do that. It yeah, is a certain it. accent. I yeah. don't know the accents well enough to point it out, uh, pinpoint which one it might be, but, but it, I feel like accent based. We could look it up, but I feel like I don't want to. No. Why, why would we Ooh. look? things up is it let's just talk yeah. out of our ass let's yeah but we're americans come on yeah, yeah that's what we do <laughs> i got okay. a pretty red lipstick today i got my confidence is through the roof let's talk shit 
Yeah, let's talk some fucking shit. Let's go. Okay. <laughs> so later, Ted and Beard are at the pub. They're sitting at the bar and they're trying to figure out how to not get relegated, um, a.k.a. demoted to the Championship League, which is the league below the Premier League uh, because the British people love irony. I guess. I don't know, man. Ted's logic is also is, is pretty sound here. I'm like, yeah. what? Yeah. They I understand they... Premier is French for first. Yeah. I understand that. I took many years of French, but mm-hmm. we're going to have some more French at the end of this episode. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to ask you for help too. Just as for a, what? How to pronounce something in French. Oh. Um, Cause I can't do it. Okay. I'll do my best. So is it bah- Zoho? No, I can't say they did that. So <laughs> that was pretty good. That was pretty good. Um, <laughs> so Baz and the football fans come over talking to Ted and Beard like they've already lost. And the barkeep is all like, it's the hope that kills you, which is apparently a famous saying over there. I guess. Um, question, is she missing one of her teeth? Because I think she is. So she just have a gap in her bottom teeth or is she missing a tooth? I have never noticed her teeth. But she is British. <laughs> they so, have free healthcare over there. But Let's they have not, bad teeth. <laughs> they have bad orthodontics. They don't necessarily have bad teeth. They probably have better teeth than we do. Because again, they can get that shit fixed. They can just be like, oh, I have a toothache. Let me go get that taken care of. So Ted's like, well, one, you know, Ted doesn't agree with that. The whole hope that kills you thing. But I think it freaks him out a little bit. And he's like, Let's call our boy Nate and like have a little strategizing sesh over at my place, right? Yep, yep, yep. So they go like over. His house. He's a great house. How can that be corporate housing? That's adorable. Um, because Ted deserves it because I mean, he he's does. a wonderful, talented, qualified um he's not qualified <laughs> man no. who is a great coach. And I'm just gonna move right on. So over at Ted's, the thrilling threesome, Ted, Nate, and Beard are trying to figure out how to beat Man City. Mm-hmm. And Nate recalls a scenario in which a team avoided their demise and secured their spot in the Premier League with just a tie game. And Ted, like, freaks out because he doesn't this like ties. tie logic here? Sound. This Hell is yeah. Sound logic. Thank you. But if God didn't want there to be ties, she wouldn't have invented numbers. Thank you. Correct. This Absolutely. is the most correct Ted has ever been about almost anything. It is very correct. It's not natural to end things in a tie. Except when Ted- you get really tired. I used to play soccer. Sometimes you just get really tired. But usually just- they do a kickoff from the from the, the box. Top of the box. Penalty kicks. I didn't understand any of that because I don't know soccer. But <laughs> I'm going to take your word for it. So... Ted is correct about a couple things here. Um, God is a woman. Mm-hmm. And at least at this time, uh, he swears on the name of Meghan Markle. Princesses are black. Okay. And I know that they have um, relieved themselves of their royal duties uh, since then. But I'm... Actually, I actually like that. I love that. It's clear how much he loves his wife. And I think that's very sweet. I also think he saw what happened to his mother and did not want that to happen to his wife. Oh, Harry? Oh, for sure. Yeah. 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 Harry, Harry turned out to be a good man, although it started out kind of shaky. But um, I good mean, job, that was Harry. that Hitler thing. But yeah, I try not know. to remember that. I again, how he was like <laughs> seventeen or something. I don't know. He, I don't want to excuse it, but I'm just saying. I don't want to excuse it. But he, he turned say, out. He didn't better. say anything awful. 
We don't know I'm, what I'm, he said. I'm gonna assume he said a lot of shit because it was at a party. I mean, he was, he was drunk a, he's a rich over. white guy in England. He's probably said a lot of terrible shit. I don't know. I don't trust him, but I like his wife, mm. and so does Ted. <laughs> but do you trust point. her taste in men? Because he must have improved. Because he's clearly. I have really seen her over. I I I am one over on Harry because I've seen him do an Oprah interview and forsake his family in the name of his wife, and I respect it. I fucking that, respect it. That so that takes some guts. That's all that I need. You know, you go on Oprah, and that's all I need. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um. So another thing I wanted to point out about this scene: Nate wanting to blow that whistle again. Just because he wants to, he wants to annoy people with that. It's so weird. Anyway, listen. As someone who, if I had something that uh, could make that much noise, I would use it all the time. I used to have. Did you ever go on the ducks, the duck boats? Yeah. People, I, I did it in my twenties, and people had to take that whistle from me. I'm sure. So they I, can't, <laughs> I can't really blame Nate here. I can't I can't say that it has anything to do with anything sinister. Sometimes I really just whistles are fun to blow. They are. I will say this when I was an RA in college, I had me a whistle and I was very fond of it. (laughs) (laughs) Did you use it to terrify freshmen? Because that would have been fun. No, they were sophomores and juniors, which was way more fun because they deserved Mm. it. Anyway. (laughs) The poor little frosh didn't deserve it most of the time. They were scared of crying a lot. Yeah. Um, oh, and I got to use it on somebody I went to high school with who unexpectedly showed up at our college. And um, yeah, those are fond memories. Cool. He was very attractive. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. So they're at Ted's place mm-hmm. and they're powwowing. And Nate makes the mistake of saying it's hopeless. They can't beat Man City. And Ted flips out and he runs like he, he just does like a like a like it, yeah like again great physical comedy full on flips out he runs to the back of his house he comes back out and he's holding a believe sign like a miniature version and of what the, does beard say of the yellow believe sign what does beard say he says belief can't score goals belief can't score goals but um listen you know I'm it weird. has fan of beard except for that one episode yeah that's true i'm gonna put a pin in that that's true that belief can't score goals but it has a larger role in motivating people to keep up the fight i'm just gonna leave it there for right now so a couple things from this i noted one ted has a um having that sign in his bathroom Mm -hmm. like he really believes in this shit you know, it's not something that is just for the soccer club. This is a personal so mantra of Ted Lasso. Yes, but I don't know that it it's a positive thing. I think it I think it portrays that things are darker than he portrays them. Say more. That's interesting. So I don't he's agree, got this in more. several places around the house. So it means he needs to constantly be reminded. Um, uh, oh, OK. And you're saying that that's maybe a bad thing because he's using it as a crutch or something? Not that he's using it as a crutch, but that he's he's in constant need to be reminded to continue to believe. Mm-hmm. So I think that implies that he is 
and we've, we've it's been shown in past episodes that while he is this person, some of it is put upon, and he does have he doesn't suffer from toxic positivity. It's it's he chooses to be that way, and sometimes that choice is hard, and he has to power through, and sometimes it catches up to him, and he has like like he has those panic attacks. So I think it's I think it shows that he is struggling to a certain okay. extent. He needs to have a, a sign he on his mirror that believe. says yeah, "believe." He, yes. Well, I will. I'm going. I'm going to go more into my opinion about this at the end of the episode. Mm-hmm. But I identify, and I think that it is um, a good quality. It doesn't worry me the way that it worries you. The way that it he doesn't worry me. has these. Well, I mean, you have con- you you have concern about what it really means about Ted, right? I, I see a, it. I think it shows something. I think it shows something that it's one of those. It's, it's like a those, weakness in him. Not a weakness, but it shows. No, I didn't mean that part. I mean, a weakness in the fact that you're thinking he's using belief as a way to not deal with something that's more real. I don't. So think that's, that's a discrepancy. I don't, no, 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 I don't think okay. it's, he's not using it to, to. I think he's using it. I think he's struggling right now. And the show has shown that. I think he's struggling. And I think I think it's a way to show us that what is happening, despite his relentless upbeatness, is affecting him more than the show shows us, that we see on the screen. We've had a few episodes where he's clearly rattled or, you know, when he's down. We've seen him drink too much. We've seen him constantly. It's one of those things that we've talked about, we've touched on several times. Mm. The amount that he drinks is worrying. And so I think it's just a hint that he is struggling. That this is this is that we have been introduced to Ted in a hard part of his life, and that he is masking some of his sadness. Okay. To a certain extent, and like, and so I think that that's what I'm saying. This is that that's a little peek behind the curtain. That, that this that what we are shown isn't necessarily all that there is. Yes, I don't disagree with that further explanation. But I think that it is, um, I would just say at this time in my life personally, mm-hmm. at this time in um, our specific American society that we're dealing with right now, I think responding to adversity with a relentless sense of self-determination, hope, and belief is more useful than people give it credit for. And I'm this whole episode, like the main thing that I like about it is that it drives the point home for me about even though you might be up against what seems like insurmountable uh, obstacles, that part of the way that um, like whatever you might be facing, that that's a difficult thing to to face part of the part of the way that that those things can propagate and be successful against you is that they want to like break, break you, down you down and bear you down and take away your hope and take away your belief. And we know that Ted Lasso, like you said, is facing a divorce. He's in a new um, place. He's in a new place where he was being unwittingly sabotaged the whole time. Like he's facing a lot. And I totally understand why he would be relying on this mantra of belief as hard as he is. I respect him for it. Um, and I think people should take the lesson if they take anything from Ted Lasso. It's, you know, um, don't lose find hope. something that is re- that is affirming 
and that is energizing for you. And you fucking hold on to that and you use that as your fuel as opposed to using worry or negativity or the desire to, you know, be petty and sabotage people. Like, I just find it's a beautiful, beautiful statement. And I think that that's what this show and this episode in particular is about. I don't disagree. And since I've done that now, I won't do so much of it at the end. But <laughs> All right. Because um, we are like 15 minutes into this episode. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So uh, where was I? Oh, yeah. So are, basically, still the powwow. Ted is basically like, you guys are a bunch of negative Nellies. Mm-hmm. Um, another thing I wanted to point out here was I noted the flop, the hair flop, and mm-hmm. the erratic behavior again. And they were just at the pub. So, mm-hmm. you know, the. I think that and he mentions and he, and he mentions later uh, in the episode that he likes the three martini. Mm-hmm. Yep. So drunk Ted, but drunk Ted was strategizing, strategizing. Um, mm-hmm. So he wasn't that drunk. And then another thing, while they were strategizing, they had the little soccer whiteboard mm-hmm. on the table on the coffee table, and the players were little green army men. So cute, so cute. I love that man. All right. So the next, don't shake your head at me. The next well, morning. <laughs> I'll do what I want. You can't stop me. We're the in next- different states. <laughs> that is true. I cannot stop you through this electronic uh, chat <laughs> box Zoom that we're call? on. No, yeah. you can't. The next morning, Ted and Rebecca have a chat during Biscuits morning with the Boss. Morning Biscuits, morning Biscuits. I love that song. Thank Good you. Job. I will say this, she just never, she's such a, she's a handsome, handsome woman. I can't. She's so glorious. Just never. mm, I'm shocked. Like every time, every time. And she's got this lovely like moss kind of, the color of her coat is both, like the coat is both horrendous and very fashionable. And I don't know how, I don't know how I feel about it. I liked it. Yeah. I alternately liked it and hated it. It was one of those kind of things where like, it was like one scene, like one shot. I was like, Ooh. And the next shot, I was like, no. I don't know why. Well, she looks great in this scene to me. And Ted comes she in there. And he's clearly worried. And he's like, hey, he's down. Like, yeah. He's like, if you, like, if this goes bad, just know, like, he's giving her permission. Just cut me. You know, if we lose, just fire me. It'll be my fault because clearly I don't know what I'm doing. Right. And, yeah. um, but Rebecca tells him about a saying from Dutch football. Every disadvantage has its advantage. That is also in my notes. So she's the one that comes up with, she's like create confusion. And Ted takes away from this that he should create chaos. And I'm so in favor of chaos for a good purpose. Um, So Ted's going to be a little bit of chaotic good here. Okay. And well, apparently the chaos starts immediately because again, great physical humor. He has to make a show. When he leaves her office and he jumps up to click his heels, but he hits his head on the doorframe on the way out. And that's clearly real. Yes, it was very real. And he, he went just on just brained um, himself. He went on Drew Barrymore, actually, and she interviewed him. That was completely 100% real. He hit his head for real. And the way that he describes it was like he gets up, he thinks he's okay. And then like blood starts dripping like into his hand. Um, but this man is a consummate professional. Now, at this point, I would have been thinking like, oh, my God, I'm going to die. There's blood <laughs> dripping from my like puddling in my hand. Uh, Headwinds bleed. Yeah, but like you don't know how bad it is, like especially if you think that you're OK, because I've had that happen to me where I hit my head like pretty bad. I thought it was OK. And then it was like, no, you have to go to the hospital. Mm-hmm. So 
what they did was they put liquid adhesive, uh, liquid. Um, yeah, uh, super glue. I'm sorry, say that again. It's super glue. When you get things like that, they get super glue. It's it's it dries a little bit quicker than regular super glue, and they hold it together. Yeah, and <laughs> and that's yeah. They put the liquid stuff in there, and that's how he kept you can going. It, you can use it when you cut yourself really bad. It works really well. Yeah, and so that was a very it real out thing. Really ugly. So this man, he gives everything to his art. Okay, respect him. Yeah. <laughs> so, but outside of the off-camera chaos, there is some on-screen chaos, and yep. Ted is talking about instituting some trick plays. So, um, I love Sandman. <laughs> yeah, I love how the uh, the globe trotter scene was playing all throughout this scene. Oh, I that didn't was notice really that. Yeah, it's it's really fun, um, and it like uh, mm-hmm. harkens back to like all the the tricks and stuff that the globe trotters would do. Yeah. And yeah, so the the tricks were the sand. There were the names of the tricks were the Sandman, Pepper Shakers, Beckham's Todger. <laughs> Sorry, what? Is multiple? They were like Pepper Shakers, and they were like, no, there's an S. There's two. That was like one of the jokes they were doing on the on the the board. Oh. It was funny. <laughs> uh, Beckham's Todger. It's dirty. Midnight Poutine. It's not dirty. It's just it's very very Canadian. Canadian. <laughs> Um, Chitty Chitty Bang Bang, which reminds Ted of Dick Van Dyke and one of the most authentic English accents in history, um, which it certainly was not. But um, I'm surprised Roy Kent didn't stand up and just beat him for over that one. Like, I was surprised that, like, no one said anything. I think it was what Americans thought. Uh, uh, it was supposed to be Cockney, right? Cockney, a Cockney, terrible Cockney. A Cockney accent is supposed to sound like for, like, decades I mean, until we saw, like, actual British television. <laughs> but Ted is, again... Ted and I would get along so well because I was in love with Dick Van Dyke as a child. And I still kind of to be in love with Dick Van Dyke. He's wonderful. Did you ever see that episode? He's a of giant, Scrubs hilarious man. I'm sorry, what? Did you see the episode of Scrubs he was in? I did see that. Mm-hmm. It was a good episode. I remember that it had me in my fields. It's a really good episode. Uh, so one of the other trick play names was Dirty Martini. And this is, you already called the this three, out. I thought it was Three Martinis. It was something. dirty martini, and, and Ted, Ted was, was like, like, "I'd like three of those." I'd like I'm to, like, yeah, I'd like to play that three times. That's what he says. Yeah, yeah, that's not an insignificant amount of liquor. Three martinis is pretty liquored up, but it is a dirty martini. It's very classy. You know what I'm saying? Very is it classy. Classy when you barf it back up. Uh, no, we've never seen Ted do that. Though. <laughs> <laughs> um, so this man enjoys his adult beverages. And the last one they put up on the board is the lasso special, yeah, lasso which special. was dope. And we'll, we'll see what that was later. They're all jazzed up about this. And Ted says, come Sunday, they're going to hit Man City with a chaos hammer. So I'm getting excited at this point. Yep. Next, we see Jamie Tart getting his hair cut. And uh, I think he wanted gel, not pomade or whatever. And I so think it was reverse. I think it was pomade, not gel, but uh, whatever. Wh- whatever it was. Whichever direction. And it's the Aussie guys back. Yeah. Like, you're completely right, Jamie Tart. Don't let these people do whatever to your hair. Okay? Yeah, whatever they were doing, it's not, like, it's too much. Like, I don't actually, I kind of like it parted to the side like he had it, but it's clearly mm-hmm. too, like, it doesn't look natural. It's clearly, like, smoosh. He's got, like, helmet hair. It was a little bit too clean cut for him, but I kind I, of like it. I like, so I like it, but it should have more volume in the front. Like, it should, it should. have a little bit more volume. It's too... 
It's yeah, like it's too heavy on the product. The the actual style is not bad, but it's too heavy on the product. It should have a bit more volume in front. But it's a good look for him. It mm-hmm. makes it gives him a very classic look. Classic, yeah, exactly. And yeah, a sea guy is there. The posh twat is uh, <laughs> Jamie calls him. I love Ussie guy. He's so weird. He's okay, so, so weird. He's so weird. And Ussie guy does this annoying thing that people do when they take photos of you, which is like they click it a million times so they'll have a good option later, so they can have like more options I, to choose is from. Is that good? Is that annoying or is that smart? No, it's so annoying to me because I always feel like an unwitting prop when people do that. Mm. You know what I mean? Because I feel like instead of being in the moment, like you're trying to take like your best angle basically <laughs> uh i actually think it's i think it, it, it appeals to me on its level of practicality i'm not gonna it lie. is like it is effective and like helpful to do um but i'm just saying you know how it makes me feel <laughs> so i see guy shows jamie a clip of ted complimenting him Mm-hmm. And saying how he'll always root for him, which confuses Jamie, understandably. Remember, Jamie, Jamie thinks... Jamie is not right. Well, he doesn't have all the information here. He thinks that it was Ted's decision to leave him behind um, or to send him back to Man City, rather, so, as we've been talking about. And then so, also, he, um, I think he's just paranoid. Like, he's... he's and we... We, we can imagine why, why. but like, yeah, I think it's mostly, I don't think he truly thinks that Ted set him back. Like, because I think Ted, Ted does protest and does tell him the truth. And I think he believes Ted to a certain extent, but he just can't, I think, he, I think it's one of those things that he can't see the goodness in other people. Like he, he has to think Yeah, it's, it's like they're plotting against him and we'll yeah. see why later. And that's a common thing with um, abuse victims. kids that, suffer yeah adverse childhood experiences mm. especially at the hands of their parents they're very distrusting of everyone everyone in a role of authority yeah oh just everyone period um Can't so it's understandable that. so jamie texts keely and he's like hey can i come over to talk did you see the previous text before i did it was like eggplant water droplets squirrel you know what it was <laughs> He was like, you up. You know what it was. He was like, you up. Yeah. So we know what Jamie. I wonder. He was he... like, you up. She was like, come on over. She was like, are you kidding? Or no, she was like, really? That was her next response. Mm. But I wonder when he sent that. I think I think it's implied that it was quite some time ago. Yeah, I think so. Because um, he's been far away. Like he's there. I don't know. He's how back in far, Manchester. Yeah, man, I don't know how far Manchester is from London. It's not real distance. It's Europe distance. So, mm-hmm. But, I mean, he's not in the city anymore. Yeah. Uh, so I just want to note about Keely in this whole episode, the amount of emotional labor that she serves, that she provides for these men in her life. Um, she's great at it, but I, I'm just I don't think looking at that. like mm. So I don't think it's – she does it primarily for Jamie. I think for Roy, it's – because we've seen Roy reciprocate it. We especially next season. We see that it's it's a two-way street. For Jamie, it's just emotional labor. For for Roy, it's more support. And it's mm. and it is reciprocated by by Roy. That's a nice point. Um, which is I think one of the great distinctions between the two of them. Yeah. Because she two. offers like like if if it wasn't like so for instance, like if um if you flipped a scenario where where uh Jamie Jamie was in the house. She maybe she was still dating Jamie, and Roy came to the door to ask a question, and she was, and he was like, you know, previous 
boyfriend, hypothetically. Like, I don't think Jamie would have responded with the level of maturity and, like, understanding that Roy does. I think it's, there's clearly a maturity gap there, and we've seen Roy reciprocate. So, like, he's being antagonistic to Jamie and, like, making, but I, there's also, there's also, he's also, like, there's some teasing going on. Um, yeah. I, I'm just struck by, I think it's a good point that Roy does reciprocate, reciprocate. Um, I'm just struck by the fact that she's doing it. That's all. <laughs> I mean, because it was overwhelming nice, to me when I was watching nice, it. <laughs> she's a nice person. I think she feels so. I think so. I think she does it because out of all the primary characters, she's the one that knows Jamie the best. I think she does know him. Um, and she, un- and I think he is too. I think there's an implication she has, he has opened up to her. They're also based on their accents likely from a, from a similar financial background class background um so i think she also understands how kind of hard it is to maybe navigate the world of upper class folks because rebecca's upper class but but keely's so technically she's wealthy but she's lower class mm. in british society and so is jamie he's wealthy but he's technically lower class um this is my theory anyway i don't know that it would stand up to sound academic reasoning um (laughs) that's not what we do (laughs) i've been drinking i was drinking strawberry wine anyway so my point is is i think he she feels she does this labor frame because she feels sorry she knows him she knows the struggles he's gone through and she and he's pointed out in the past she's seen the best in him in the past and so he goes to her because i think he she is one of the only people in his life that he trusts to give him good sound advice that it you know because we've seen we've seen what he grew up with yeah we know and like i think he's one of the only people he can talk she he can talk to yeah and she 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 might find him annoying, but she's not about to. She's a kind person. She's not about to close the door on someone who's looking for help. And she's also very good at it. We know we've so always seen that in Keeley. She doesn't just do it with the guys. She's done it with Rebecca, too. Um, but also, I wonder if um, she's kind of playing. She's filling a role that uh, was left vacant by Jamie's mother. We know uh, maybe. Passed I don't away. Yeah, I think, but I think it's more, you're probably right. Um, I think that's why he's fallen prey to his father to a certain extent and to his baser instincts or baser personality traits. Yeah. But I think it's, I think it's to a certain extent, as much as they might not have been right for each other, he, she clearly saw something in him that was good. And he, I don't think, has experienced that before. Mm-hmm. They have a connection for sure. Yeah, they do. And poor Keely, she walks out into her kitchen to see Jamie and Roy sitting at the table together, looking awkward as all get out. And, and Roy's in his underpants and socks. Those <laughs> are pretty is, killer socks, too. He is in his pants and those fried egg socks. It's so cute. <laughs> yeah. uh, so Jamie uses some not nice language about Ted. And Roy sticks up for Ted. He's basically like, hey, watch what you say about my gaffer, right? 
And Keely explains to Jamie, as she has done before, that remember, not everybody in your life is out to get you. Except uh, Roy. Roy goes, I am. <laughs> except Roy. And, and Keely appreciates his honesty. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, a couple of like just weird things I want to point out. Um, so they both brought her coffee. That was which sweet. I have to say she has them well-trained. And um, I love that little tidbit because i literally have a t-shirt that says if you love me buy me coffee Mm. so um i love that i don't know if it makes up like if it's a even exchange for the emotional labor that she does um because they come to her to like they're coming to her to fix their life like she's yama van zant so that's all i just wanted to get that in there um so and and coffee's not worth it so also another thing I noticed about Keely was that she had a stamp on her hand that looked like a club stamp. And in my mind, uh, she and Roy had gone out dancing the night before. Probably. He would do anything for her. I can uh, believe I like the, if you could get him to dance. I think he, I think he, come on, he goes to oh, DIY and doesn't dance. For, for, a, like for Keely, yes. But I feel like, I feel like you'd have to like convince him. She she could get it out of him. Like he was think, not going to do it for dan- I think he dances. He goes to drag shows. He raps. You have to have like <laughs> rhythm to do both of those things. So we never said he was enjoyably that is. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I like the next little bit that we get of Ted talking to a young Henry online. It's very endearing. It's the night before the football match. And he says that being a football coach is kind of like being a dad, which I've always been saying, um, except for in American foot, except for unlike in American football, he can't tell the guys what to do after the game begins. It's out of his hands. He just has to hope that they do the right thing. Uh, so I just like that little bit, um, making that contrast between American football and soccer. Um, so... And it kind of puts into perspective the anxiety that he must feel the next day when so much is riding on this game and you just have to let it play out. You yeah, know, you can't really run plays in soccer, I guess. Like, because there's no stopping and starting, really. There's oh, really, you mean like, you can't, you can't like, really, it's not like um, you don't, like, you can't you don't plan reset. Yeah, you don't the play. Yeah, it's okay, not like yeah, when yeah, you yeah. get a football, you get a first down and then like you go into the huddle you know like you don't yeah you can't you can't kind of like there's no stop reset go again yeah no there's out of bounds if the ball goes out of bounds you throw it in but even then like it's not it's like it's thrown in boom it comes back in like soccer is much more of a continuous play game than like football yeah the players have to determine what to do next when they're on the field Mm -hmm. like kind of like tennis right you're not supposed to coach from the sideline yeah um after all of this buildup it's finally game day and Keely's in the stands with Rebecca, and they're talking about how, for once, she's truly invested in the game since Roy is playing. Um, also, it's not clear to me whether or not she knows that this will be Roy's last game. But I don't I think, think it's... any of them know until he gets hurt. I think they're mm. realizing it would be towards the end, but I think it's him getting hurt puts, which I wish they had been clearer about how he got hurt, just that he hurt his knee. Like, did he tear something? It's not clear. I don't know. Um, I think it's possible that Roy had planned for it to be his last game that he told Keely, and that's why she's so invested. They don't explain exactly in the show, but I like thinking about that possibility. I think it's just that it's important to Roy. Um, yeah, that could be too. We also see the huge clan of Higginses. 
Uh, so, <laughs> and we so meet many their fucking kids. So many kids. We meet their eldest son, the cool priest, who he looked like if they took the actor who plays Colin and just put a collar on him. Like they look almost exactly the same. Looks like a bad John Snow. I thought he was kind of cute. I mean, he um, is, but John Snow has better <laughs> hair. Off in the locker room, Roy Kent gives Isaac the captain's armband and asks him to lead the team when he's not on the field. And he says, keep breaking TVs. Never stop breaking TVs. Never stop breaking TVs. Thank you. Stage life advice. And well, don't do that. If he came over, I would have a problem with Isaac if he came over my house doing that. Oh, I would beat him to death. I know how much I love television. That's true. Yeah. I would literally, that would be. If anyone listening to this comes into my house and breaks my TV, you will not leave it alive. Like, that's that's probably true. Yeah, that would be like extra insult to injury for you. I love television. Um, I think that Roy identifies with Isaac's anger. Like he peeps that anger and he's like, that's my guy. Like you will be able to carry the torch forward for me. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. And he, I think he can. He says he, he sees it as someone who can drive the team forward. Yeah. So I, li- I liked that a little bit. I also like seeing Isaac's anger, you know. It is again. Hoops in it. Hoops in it. <laughs> so Ted gives the team a pep talk about the hope that kills you, and he's basically like, "That's that's bunk. That's nonsense." And he asks them to replace it with a saying from where he's from, which is, "Do you believe in miracles?" Um, so I like the way that Ted is turning this on its head, even before the game starts. And he's trying to encourage the team, right? Like, if you go into this thing thinking that you've already lost, you don't have any fuel to draw from from when you really need to, like, push it and, um, like, really, you know, um, motivate yourself uh, to pull it out. So I like that he flips that for them. And they all huddle up. And Isaac throws his arm in there and announces himself as the, the new captain with the armband on. And he counts down from 12, skipping number eight. What the hell is that about? I don't understand. So I looked up what this could be about. I don't know if this is true, um, but this is something that I saw going around on um, message boards. And they said it's possibly a tribute to Roy. Roy's played... number is six. Right. But they, they say it's based on p- positions. Mm. So I'm forgetting the number of total positions now. How many how many positions are on the soccer field? Is it like 12 or 13 like what 11 11 oh it could be 12 yeah because that would make hold on i'm trying to think i mean i could google it real quick yeah we could google it but they were saying that roy plays the uh central midfielder and so that's position that's labeled as position number eight so that might be why isaac skips eight or maybe isaac's just kind of slip <laughs> and- And it's like one, two, four, five, you know, like maybe, I don't know, but I think it does hold some significance. So I like the theory that he's playing tribute to the eighth position. I like that central midfielder. Though I gotta say, Isaac is not the brightest bulb in the bunch. No, but good lad, good lad. But he's, he is thick and he does um, Mm. have that anger that we that we like to see in those games. So, (laughs) so then the game starts and Roy is riding the bench. Jamie spots him and makes like a kissy face at him because he's being a jerk. And then he sees Ted 
who I think mouths good luck to. No, he actually says it. He says, good luck. You're does doing he, great. Does he say yeah. Okay. Yeah. And Ted, of course, is being genuine, but Jamie still thinks that he's playing mind games. So he's like, Ted, these mind games, these fucking mind games, you know? And Jamie goes for Man City's first goal, but he's blocked by Zero. At some point, there's an, an offside and Ted still doesn't know what this is. And I just love that Beard tried to explain it to him with what is either a callback to um, something that we didn't see, which is maybe a Beard trying to use condiments on the table of the pub to explain yes. offsides to Ted. Yeah, I like that it's vinegar oh. and the ketchup. Yeah, he's like, it's not, it's not when um it's not when ketchup is behind the ball, but it's when the ball gets ahead of vinegar. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> or like something like that. So it's either uh a scenario like that where they're trying to work through this stuff at the pub or it's hot gibberish, but either yeah. way, I find it um hilarious. Yeah. There's also bad uh CGI rain throughout a lot of a lot of these I scenes. Mean, I noticed that there were some CGI issues all throughout. Um well, I think it's because they probably filmed this over multiple nights. And I believe there are some scenes where it's legitimately raining. And so I don't think they, like, I think they just were like, well, shit. And now had to add in CGI rain. That's so interesting. Well, no, you can see like the one where Danny Rojas scores the mm-hmm. goal later. Yeah. He's, his hair is wet. Like he's mm-hmm. been, and like you can see like in some of the people in the stands and some of the nights, like they are, their coats, there's, there's water on their coats. So can you verify that it was CGI rain? I mean, it it was clearly CGI rain because it was raining and they were not getting wet. Yeah. Well, sometimes it looks uh, like that. I know some of the some of the play stuff that they do, like with the players on the field, is is CGI in the show. Yes. Um, though clearly some of them can play soccer. Um, yeah. But uh, a lot of times that you can clearly see the the crowd is CGI. Right. Um, but yeah. So the team starts pulling out their tricks, which I have to say are pretty good. Sandman was awesome. Yep. Danny starts it off, and then it like a few of the players Danny let Rojas! it. Rojas, Rojas. <laughs> a few of the players let the ball go through their legs, and it kind of sneaks up. You know, like the yeah. so the idea is like Man City's like, where's the ball? Where, where's the ball going? Where's yeah, the ball going? Yeah, it's gonna put him to sleep. It's so Sandman. yeah, like the Sandman. That was pretty good. Um, at halftime, Ted puts Roy in. And Man City gets a penalty against Richmond, and this is how they make. Wait, wait. Point, yeah. Point and the thing, and he goes, "We're not going for the tie." He yells about it, and he goes, "Ain't nobody here is gonna kiss their sister." Ain't nobody here gonna kiss their sister. Yeah, this was at halftime, right? Okay, right. Is this an American phrase? Yes. I have not heard it before in my life. Really? Oh no! No, I, it's definitely a regional heard phrase. Kissing sister. Yeah. All right. A tie to is to this. kiss your sister because it's a kiss, but it's not good because it's your sister. Right. So you didn't win and you didn't lose. I mean, you didn't. Gross. Right? Yeah, yeah. I think I said that right. You did. You definitely didn't win because it's your sister, but you also didn't lose because you got a kiss. It's really bizarre. Um, <laughs> Right. So after after the halftime, you know, Man City, they make the most of their opportunity with this penalty they against to get they get against Richmond and they actually do score their first goal. Boo, Man City. Uh, He's going to come back. Danny Rojas is going to come back. He's going to make it right. He's going to make it right. So Jamie is then running the ball down the field. He's trying mm-hmm. to score a second goal for Man City. But Roy Kent is like, uh-uh, I'm not having is it. He- 
and yeah. he runs like the goddamn I wind. Like, there's a there's a brief shot that I like. Did you see them running? And you just see Roy Kent. Like you just see him yeah. just kind of like gain on him. And it's actually somewhat like it's funny, but it's also somewhat sinister. <laughs> it is. It's exciting. It's exhilarating. It is. And, I mean, I could have been watching like a real game as far as I was concerned. It was good. He runs like he's angry at the grass, right? Yeah. You and run like he, you're angry at the grass. Yeah. Yeah. And he catches up to him and tackles uh, Jamie Tart. And he just gives his all. He gives his all. And the crowd appreciates him, him yeah. and salutes him with the chant. He's here. He's there. He's every, every fucking, fucking where. Roy, Roy Kent. Kent. Roy Kent. Kent. Like, and I like that Sam does the he Sam repeats because this is a an episode of repeats. Yes. So, um, like the Zoho joke that yeah. they, the, the thing and the, um, what else? I think picking on Colin is some sort of callback. Uh, but there's several callback jokes. Um, anyway, but I like one of the ones that I like is, is that, that Sam tells him to stay down, wait, and they yeah. start the chant. Yeah. And so you Did see, I- did I cry a little bit? Yes, I did. <laughs> I didn't cry at this point, but it oh, was very moving. I cried. I cried. Because, right, you see Sam return the favor of when Roy taught him about diving. Um, <laughs> yeah, but Roy isn't diving here. I know, I know. They Both technically they didn't dive, but it's milk the moment. You know what I yeah. mean? And so I love that little. Oh, also, I want to say Sam was looking particularly handsome this episode. Like all throughout, like he was, I don't know, the skincare routine or something was, he was just looking impeccable. Maybe he was just lighting him better. He was, he was, he was. Uh, just impeccable. He was, he was yes, yes. So, um, right. So the man, Roy Kent, the man himself, sacrificed mm-hmm. his body and to, to get Richmond to the win, right? They were trying so hard. And it was a sad end, but a valorous end. Yes, that's what I, I like. Very proud mentioned of him. that it's likely going to be his last game. Yeah. And he limps off the field. And then, I, I, yeah. I was deeply, deeply proud of him. Sorry, I didn't cut to cut I was, was going to co- go win because this is one of my favorite moments of the entire thing. This is that he limps in the locker room and he starts to cry. Mm-hmm. And because he's like, you know, it's the end. And Keely shows up and he like yells at her. He tries to chase her away. He's just like, I don't want you here. Leave. He yeah. doesn't want her to see him vulnerable. Yeah. And then, like, she doesn't. She just goes over and, like, she's having her shoulder and his whole hands. He just, like, cries. And I loved it. I just loved it. It was so cute. It was so touching. And I cried a little bit more. <laughs> it's so wonderful. The relationship is just so lovely. It is. I love the way that she showed up for him yes because um, she knew she knew he needed her like regardless of what he was going to say she knew yeah and he really did because this was like the the moment the lowering of the boom that roy knew was coming and mm-hmm. was dreading all season and it happens like i said it happens in a way where he gets to be the hero um, but the, the injury also kind of puts a finality to it, right? Yes. Um, and so it is heartbreaking. And I'm glad that he had our sweet Keely there to help Most him definitely. through it. Oh, oh, it was so, it's so wonderful. 
So Roy Kent has arrived at the end of his on-field career. Going back to the game, the next trick play is gold. So this is, uh, I believe, the lasso special. And the team lines up as if they're doing a play in American football. This is uh, ridiculous. There's got to be rules against this. It was, yeah. I, yeah, right. You're watching it like, this can't be actually allowed in, in real life, right? <laughs> yeah, there's got to be rules against that. But it was adorable, too. Like, it was so yeah. cute. The way they, like... uh did the little lasso like, special yeah the hut hut thing um so zero kicks the kicks a hail mary like down the field to sam mm-hmm. and sam kicks it over to danny who does one of those like super cool like i'm in a gogurt commercial kick flips and yeah. kicks the ball into the goal danny Roja. um it was amazing it was amazing and so the game so richmond has their first goal the it game hurts. is now tied one to one and that's all that they need at this point, according to what they know, because Nate had pointed out from a few minutes before that everyone in the stands was checking their cell phone and they had just found out that Crystal Palace had won their game. By so six. Just insane. By six, babe. So somehow with the, with the machinations of the way that football was playing out this particular season, that means that Richmond only needs to secure a tie game to stay in the league tonight to avoid relegation. Mm-hmm. And so everybody goes wild, right? The stadium goes wild. The folks over at the crown and anchor go wild. Even Rupert who's celebrating from his couch at home, like kicks up his legs. He's celebrating. And you think that like, Oh my God, our team has done it. You know, like I'm spazzing out at home, but of course not. Ted Lasso does not allow us to be happy. We're not even done celebrating when Jamie Tart puts a play into motion that snatches the victory away from Richmond. I mean, it snatches defeat from the jaws of victory, so mm-hmm. to speak. Yeah. And Man City ends up winning the game by two to one. And I think it was very interesting that Jamie instigates or like puts into the the initial action of scoring that final goal for man city by taking a pass right so he doesn't kick it himself he uses something that he learned from ted to defeat ted and the richmond guys like god damn if that is not good writing i don't know what is well it shows that like despite the fact that he's clearly hurt he took something from ted and listened to him when he said it, he listened, he learned, he learned not only from Ted, but from all of the guys at Richmond who were trying to teach him about share the ball, pass, don't be such an egomaniac, even before Ted got there. Yeah. And um, he uses that to not only win for himself and his team, but also as he promised to do, put the final nail in the coffin for Richmond. It it's just terrible. It's like someone shooting you with your own gun. Like it, it just it hurts all that much more. Well, <sighs> yeah, but Teddy's proud of him. So you're not gonna like my notes. Oh, go, go, go. Oh no, no, because the game ends. I keep going because this is not till we see Jamie again. Oh, okay. So it's just tragedy and heartache for Ugh. the audience and for Ugh. all of the fans for Team Richmond itself as we watch this play out. Um, Ted gives his post-game 
And he's obviously sad, but he congratulates Man City because he is a class act. Okay. Bless him. On his way from the press room, he walks past Jamie Tart, who's sitting in the away locker room. And he can, there's glass. And so he can see into the, the door, into the room. And he's about to go in there and say hi to Jamie and probably congratulate him. But he's quickly stopped because there's some kind of projectile that comes issue. like yeah, that's th- brottled towards Jamie's head. And it turns out that it's his father yelling at him about passing instead of scoring the winning goal himself. And this man mushes. He mushes Jamie's head like it's so disrespectful. So we're going to touch upon something that Had I touched upon oh my before. God. Go. Okay, go. Head sees. He knows Jamie's history with his father. Yeah. And he does nothing. Jamie it's not. Jamie's Ted is not even supposed to be there. He's witnessing a domestic fight between a father and a son as he's walking by a locker room. I How that. would it have been appropriate for Ted to go in there and to get in he the middle of that? He just opened the door and just said, hey, Jamie. Oh, I didn't see you there. Like, I don't know what he should have done. But again, he's a grown ass man. He so is Jamie. Yeah, I know. But he's clearly like he's clearly needs help. And Ted does not help. Ted helps in a passive manner, which is not necessarily bad. And there's things to be said about it. But Jamie clearly needs help here. And Ted does not help. Throughout this whole show, I respect each of these people as individual grown adults. Mm -hmm. I fundamentally. It's not even so much that I disagree. I just don't understand the idea that Ted's supposed to be responsible for them he's to the degree to be responsible. I don't that think you're insinuating responsible, but I have a fundamental problem of you see someone hurting, you see someone struggling and you are in a position to make it better and you don't. Okay. So that, that I'm completely fine with just like, admit that it's your thing. Yes. It's not a thing that Ted in the show should be doing. Oh, I don't think that's the case. But I, I think you think he should be doing that because it's your like peeve. It's your pet peeve. I think he's in a position to help and he's not. And I don't I can't respect that. I can't like I can't respect that. I OK, can't. I'm fine with that. He should help. He knows Jamie has a problem with his father. He all like all you need to do in situations like that is give the person an escape and be like, oh, Jamie, great. Oh, so nice to meet you. Like and you can diffuse situations like that. And if he gets uppity with Ted, Jamie's all security. Which he does. We see him do later um, in the series. It's just, I don't, I don't like it. I just, it's a thing where Ted can be too passive when it comes to helping people sometimes. When, especially in scenarios where I believe direct intervention is necessary. Mm. Okay. We've, uh, we've had multiple conversations. Again. Again. About- no, like I said, I will never, ever agree with that. Uh, like, ever. Mm. I, the only thing I wanted to say about the, the dad thing was, oh, and you know what? Maybe this goes to your point, though. If I was in that room, I would have fought his dad. Like, you don't mush somebody. You don't do, like, if, if I saw someone, if I saw, like, that's the thing. It's just like, as a person, you're seeing another person being attacked. Like, as a woman. If I saw like two men fighting, I might not like unless like unless someone was in like clear physical like if it was just a street fight, I probably wouldn't get involved. If it was like an older or bigger person picking on someone younger, 
Mm. I would directly get involved and have because I live I live near a school. Yeah. But uh, like I've I've I, I have interjected in scenarios where I see a bunch of teenagers like pick on little kids. Usually it's just like, hey, what are you guys doing over here? Mm-hmm. Like, and then and usually that's because they're all kids. It's enough to break it up. Yeah. Well, they like, are. Yeah, they are. That's that's a kid thing. I totally agree with that. I will say I have I've intervened in things and I just I have one time that I'm thinking about in particular. I don't think it was the right thing to do. I think I made it worse just by the nature of of what was going. You're not wrong. You're not like I I, um, I, like I would be worried about making it worse. I understand what he's trying to do. I, I understand he's playing a long game of trying to help these people and he's probably trying to thinks he can help Jamie by offering passive support with that the little green army guy he sends him later of like hey you did well I'm proud of you but like you see if you like you if you saw that like I would be like what the hell are you doing get your hands off of him I just I don't think it was Ted's place I don't I don't I understand it doesn't like I don't I don't see it as Ted's place I see it as you see another human being in distress. Yeah. I don't want to get stuck on this yeah, because we will yeah. never agree about this. But I was upset by it. Yeah. So Ted turns away and he heads back to the Richmond locker room because of what he saw. And can we just take a, a second to reflect on a few things um, that Ted says after the loss? Yes. So he basically says, you know, I know he's talking to the the team and trying to console them after the loss. And he says, I know that you're sad right now, but I promise you there's something worse than being sad. And that's being Being sad and alone. Yes. And ain't nobody in here alone. And I'm just like, if you don't love Ted Lasso and appreciate this man for the absolute golden gem that he is, I don't understand you. And so then he um, calls on Sam and he says, Sam, do you remember which animal has the shortest memory? And Sam, of course, fulfills his cue because Sam never misses. And he's, well, sometimes he misses in a game, but that's okay. And Sam says, I think we should all be a goldfish. And I agree. I agree, Sam and Ted. Um, I just love that moment so much. It's great. And, you know, Ted says, let's be sad now. Let's be sad together. And then we can be gosh darn goldfish onward forward. And if that is not how you rally the goddamn troops, I'm telling you people, because there's so many like right now, I feel like I know everybody watched Ted Lasso during the pandemic, but right now I feel like the show deserves a rewatch, especially if you're concerned about where this country is going socially, politically, on down the line. There's so many issues that we have to deal with. Watch this speech and remember those words onward and forward because they will try to take everything from you. They will try to take the most fundamental thing from you, which is your identity, your confidence, your belief in yourself. If you give it to them, you always lose. You cannot win without those things. So I just, I'm fully like, uh, I'm having a moment right now in my life where I'm drawing from pop culture to like inform, you know, the things that sustain me and my, like, I call it my belief system. Ted Lasso is full on in my belief system right now. 
Yeah, it's it's the, that was it's, that was my little more, it's the more grimmer version of the is it uh, the thing from the Handmaid's Tale the don't let the bastards grind you down. Don't let the bastards grind you down. That's right. It was or, a message that they, they that they send to each other. Right, because that is what they they want to do. Now, this is just talking about soccer, but I'm just saying. Extend no, I think the, it's. I don't. I don't disagree. Extend the extend the metaphor. It'll get you there. Get you where you need to be. So he gives a speech to try to make the boys feel better, but it's an undeniably sad moment. And I will just say this about their loss tonight. The boys fought hard. You know, they tried. It's just that sometimes it's just not your day. You know, luck comes into play and you get beat. It's a quote from Star Wars. You can do everything right. Or Star Trek, sorry. You can do everything right and still lose. It's not weakness. It's just life. Yeah. Like you can, yeah. We we all face that every day. You can do everything right and still lose. And cars. Professor X, as I like to call it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So Ted, but Ted points out that they gave the chance. 90 minutes of hell. That's got to count for something. And it's not lost on me that they only got beat because of something that Ted taught Jamie again. So in a way, Jamie's victory that night is owed to Ted and to Richmond. Yes. Yeah. So finally that night, Jamie Tart's getting on the Man City bus to go back to Manchester. And he's not even looking happy. I mean, his dad just ripped everything that he should be celebrating from him. Like he looks kind of like down and dour when he's getting on this bus. He should be celebrating, but he's not. That's because he has that bad haircut. (laughs) But yeah, the haircut doesn't, it makes him look kind of like a sad sack a little bit too. That's a little bit. But I never want to criticize Phil Dunster because. He's genius. He is an acting genius. He's great. He's so damn good. Like it's pitiful how good he is. They're all phenomenal. Everyone in the show is like the second you think one of them is better than the other, the next they 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 come back and you're like, oh shit. Yeah. It's like, oh, I forgot, I forgot you could act, my bad. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I forgot you were just every inch as good as the other person, <laughs> like every other person in here. Yeah. Um, so Beard walks up to Jamie and he hands him an envelope. Mysteriously hands him a package in his mysterious beard way. Yeah, beards kind of kind of weird <laughs> beard is always I weird it, i find it interesting that ted sent beard to do this instead of going himself i don't think he i don't think that jamie would have accepted it so i think that's why he sent beard so when jamie opens it it's a note from ted saying way to make that extra pass I and know. my and there's a little green army man in there and my eyes started burning and it was like you cried. Yeah, it was like real tears. And the thing that helped it was they had this sad song playing by Marcus Mumford, mm-hmm. well, who I just most realized. Of the music, yeah, right? I just realized that he he does most of the uh, like score I for the show. He's friends with Jason Sudeikis. That sounds right. And um, I can see them being friends. Mm-hmm. And it's talking about how you'll never walk alone. And I just couldn't say it in one piece. Like there are like little pieces Aww. of Ashley like scattered all over my living room floor. I couldn't hold it together. And I love that the little green army man was a scout. He was yeah, holding his, yeah. yeah, he was holding his hand up to like look um look out into the, the battlefield or whatever. And I kind of took that as Ted's way of saying, I see you, Jamie. Oh God. 
I'm like going to cry again right here. Again? Yeah. Oh, it got me. It got me. So the last thing that we see is Ted going into Rebecca's office. And he's going to, to quit. Um, <laughs> I love how Ted very professionally writes a resignation letter on the back of like a takeout menu or something. It's Indian. Yeah, it's like Indian takeout. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, that's when Ted's countryness comes out of him. Like that was the most country busted he's, thing I've ever yeah. seen. I like that he's like, it's I signed it and it's in an envelope, so it's official. Yeah. Like, okay, uh, dude. Okay. But Rebecca's not having that. And and basically, you know, she's like, No, Ted, I don't accept. And they talk for a bit. And he basically comes to the conclusion that if a team can get relegated, they can get unrelegated, they can get promoted. And Ted says we can win the whole fucking thing again because he believes in belief. All right. And he's still got that fire in him to keep fighting another day. But right before we close out the show for the season, they have to end on a on a high note. And so Ted does a, a spit take all over Rebecca because he's I did not care for this. So drinking this the one the- thing. I did I did <laughs> not care for the rep- the repeat of this joke. The the sparkling water. It was a yeah. great call back to episode one but we're left with handsome handsome ass woman looking like a wet dog i didn't like that <laughs> like it was kind there's of a part of me the part of me that was like and you can see it beat up against her makeup and i was like oh yeah so i hate that as they someone did my- who, yeah someone who like has had that it's such a pain in the ass to clean up i was just thinking how are you gonna get that clean but you've had somebody do a spit take on you no i've had i've gotten like like i've had like heavy makeup on Oh. And then had like basically someone like to get a whole bunch of like water in my face and hair. And I was just like, and it just ruined, like, you can't fix it. Like, it's, it's unfeel. Yeah. Cause it's like smears it. And like, especially if you have it like blended and then your hair too. Yeah. Like I said, she was looking like a wet dog and I love Ted yeah, Lasso. It wasn't, it wasn't like a little bit. It was like, he like, ew. she got hosed down basically. Yeah, I did not. And I was that. just like, if he had spit on me, I'm, I'm. I'm punching him in the arm at least. Yeah, I would have been like, I would not have had that shocked look in his face. I would have probably backhanded him and been like, we will never speak of this again. Yeah. Leave. But it did. I will me- not be angry at you tomorrow, but you need to go right now. It did take me down, though. I thought it was hilarious, even though I didn't want to see my girl like that. But I, I like the- I legitimately did not care for that. I like the callback in those damn bubbles. I do like I do like a callback. There's several call- callbacks. I enjoyed the cyclical nature, like the the callback, the circling back to two earlier things in the season did not care for him spitting in rebecca's face <laughs> well especially because the first time it was only over people's phones yeah like uh and the second time it's in rebecca's face and they've just again backhanded i would have just like Whap! well you know leave. i don't know if this is intentional but i i got like a little bit of catharsis from it from her being an evil conniving witch i feel like it was a little bit of just desserts for rebecca and saying like, okay, Rebecca, now you you got some, you know, you got you got a little bit of uh, you got some comeuppance there, and now we can move on and forgive you fully. Um, Maybe still didn't like her, <laughs> but why did she give him? That's her fault. She gave him she gave him sparkling water. She knew that. I mean, in her defense, it's probably <laughs> been several months since that since that happened. Yeah, <laughs> it's probably been quite a while. But can I tell you my? Other than Ted's speech about um, no one's alone, mm-hmm. we're gonna be you're gonna be sad, but you're not alone. Other than that, my second favorite part of the show was the song that they play at the end. 
which which is uh, Edith Piaf's "I Don't Regret Anything" or "I Regret Nothing." Uh, regret pas. it's "Non je ne regrette rien." Oh, I regret nothing. Yeah, um, it's oh, that okay. last little bit. Rian, Rian. I don't know how to say that. Um, but I love it. I think it was the perfect no, ending. Yeah, I regret nothing. Nothing. Yeah, it was the perfect ending to this episode. The perfect ending to this season. Like one, I love French chanson music. Like I love it. It's attitudinal. It's gutsy. You know, it's a genre with a lot of bravado, but it's also a genre with a lot of emotion and it's unapologetic and they just lay it all out there. And I think it's beautiful to end on. I regret nothing. I stood on my principles. I did the best that I could. I don't have any regrets. Yeah, maybe I wasn't the best prepared. Yeah, maybe I lost, but I did what I believe was right. And I don't regret a fucking thing. And I was just... I wanted more. I mean, like the first time I saw this season, I wanted the next episode. And I think that's where it's like supposed to leave you because Ted is full on like committed to the fight by the end of of episode 10. He's not giving up. And I just uh, I mean, luckily now I can go and watch season two, episode one. But when I first saw this, I was just jazzed up. And that's where it left. Yeah. Beautiful, beautiful season, beautiful episode. Sorry, I was looking up the full lyrics of that one. But yeah, yeah, it's I regret nothing. I don't regret anything either. I don't regret watching the show. I don't regret <laughs> loving Ted Lasso. Okay. Why would you? So he's a lovely dude. He can pull off that mustache, which is continues to disturb me. I feel he's like he's a belcher. He's a handsome man. Handsome people all around in this show. I do feel like and talented. Linda, I do feel like Linda Belcher and my love of his mustache. Mustache. All right. Did you want to do our segment? Yeah, let's do our segment. Segments. Our first segment is Did You Like It? And I think we touched on that uh before. You okay. are you are you are um what freestyling over here, but I like always. It. <laughs> it's clear like uh, clearly I, I am not here to bring structure. <laughs> I am here to be mildly chaotic and hopefully entertaining. It's very entertaining. <laughs> okay, did you like it? Yes, I did. I thought it was okay. perfect. We've been through that before. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We did talk yeah. about that. Yeah, we, we kicked it off. I was like, first, before we get to anything else, perfect episode of television. Goddamn, was good. Yeah. Kind of like uh, the episode of Justified. Final one. Perfect Jesus. episode of television. Listen, All of Justified. Justified. All of Justified was perfect. Justified made yes. me love a full-on committed racist actor i'm not saying the man was racist i'm saying all of his roles oh, are racist oh the <laughs> walter uh, walter goggins oh yeah well, walton he, goggins all of his roles are racist and they're all fucking fantastic he's a tremendous actor and i hate tremendous him. And, i hate him and, like and, in like, person I, if i saw him i would like call somebody to come get him but anyway he's, I, from all i've heard he's quite a lovely man <laughs> he seems wonderful yeah, he's an Oscar winner. Word for what? That um, a short a streaming short, movie? No, I think oh. he was. It was he put together a short movie. Ah, that oh, that's dope. I'm short. happy. He wrote, but uh, you know my feelings on Raylan Gibbons. Uh, yes, Timothy Elephant. I Elephant. Love him. Yeah, yeah. Elephant. Elephant. <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, I love God. that. He's so good in that. He's so goddamn good. Mm-hmm. God, I love that. God, I love that series. It's so good. It's 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 where it's what introduced introduced me to esteemed character actress Margot Martindale. Top to bottom, that show was was deep deep nonsense and justified. Justified was great. I loved it. I loved it was it. great. Did you see it in Santa, Santa Clarita Diet? I watched some of that, but I didn't. I didn't. I didn't oh, need good. that. Oh, I loved it. It's very. I mean, I like enjoyed it. Like, I get it. I enjoy it. I understand how it's enjoyable. I just didn't mm-hmm. need no, it. Not for you. No, I really enjoyed it. Um. Okay. He's, he's a maniacal energy that I appreciate. He always does. No. Even, even like, in Deadwood, he kind of did. No, in Deadwood, he's like in this one. It's just maniacal. It's just like whereas in in Deadwood, it's Deadwood is his vibe is. He's a he's, man of black and white. He's and so he can be, fucking right. In yes. Deadwood. And he can be very, but it could be used to occasionally sinister, deeply sinister. Yeah. Effect. Like oh, yeah. you could not, like he was not a man you could entirely trust. No. Because you didn't know if he thought you were wrong, like shit was going to get real. Yeah. Um, and in Justified, he, it's much it more laid back. It's similar, a simmering. It's a, but it is a similar character, but it's a simmering anger. Yeah. Um, plus he has some pretty badass lines. Um, <laughs> okay, let's get let's get sorry. To <laughs> this happened, like we could talk about my love of shows. justified forever, countless forever. We talked about that, but also like so many other things. Well, we need to finish this one because one, we need to be ready for season three, and two, we need to be ready when uh the Last of Us comes out because as I told you, all things will cease in my life. And that will become the center of it. No, I'm ready. I'm ready for it, man. We're gonna, Again, we're gonna do it. Be, it's it's grim. It's gonna be uh, exciting. All right, well, we're never gonna get there if we don't finish this okay, actual okay, okay. episode tonight. Okay, so our first segment is the moment that was life, our favorite moment. Football is life. No, 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 no. Julia, which moment gave me life? Yeah. So, um, it's going to be the moment where Jamie and Roy are bickering in uh, Keeley's kitchen. It is. And it is legitimately hilarious. Like, I just thought it was so, I, I just love their just terrible energy of like, catch, it does a thing where he like throws the thing in and catches it and like, oh. it. like, it's just so. Ch- Didn't get me. <laughs> Didn't get me missed. Like, it's just so petty. And I fucking loved it. Oh, man. It's just so dumb. I love like it's it's just, it brings out a dumbness in Roy Kent. You generally don't, you don't see often. Yeah. Um. What? What was mine? Moment gave you love. Oh, so for me, it was everything. But specifically, I've I've already mentioned that Ted's speech, and then the ending. Mm. I don't regret anything either. Okay, no. I'm just gonna say that. I actually love that they didn't win because I you know, like that. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like. You know, you you use this phrase about a, a lesser show would have done X, Y, or Z. Out. Yeah, yeah. I think that they showed exactly why this is a unique, very well written, beloved show because they don't just serve you up what you're expecting. They didn't win. It allows them the opportunity to highlight the real heart of the show. Again, this is not a show about soccer. This is a show about individuals growing as people and building their little family building their community within this club. Um, 
gaining a sense of a greater purpose through sports, which I know a lot of people that are sports fans can identify with that. I identify with that very deeply, but in other ways. Um, And I feel like it's about perseverance and resiliency. And those are like things that I live by. And I just appreciated this show so much for it. Endurance survive, baby. Yeah. And I'm going to stop squeeing like a little girl. Um, our next segment is be a goldfish or the moment that you would like to forget your least favorite moment. You know what the happiest animal on earth is? It's a goldfish. You know why? No. Got a 10 second memory. Be a goldfish, Sam. It'll be when Ted spit in Rebecca's face. Did not care for that. <laughs> Truly. Like it, I felt like it was too much. It was just like a little, she looked like she took a goddamn shower. Yeah. It was too much. It was too much. I don't think that much liquid can be in a human's mouth. That's how wet she was. <laughs> I truly hated it. Truly. Uh, it was cringy. <laughs> it was. It, but like, I did laugh. <laughs> it was. no. I Like he's full on spit in her face. And I did not care for it. I did not care for it. One bit. For me, it was nothing. Again, uh, I regret nothing. nothing. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> that was lovely. Good job. Speaking bad French. French. That was super bad French. <laughs> our French. next segment is biscuits or our favorite character. I brought you a little something. Oh, yeah. Cookies. <laughs> or as y'all call them here, biscuits, right? Three Who guesses. Do you have? Sorry, say it again. I said three guesses. Oh, I got a guess for yes. the favorite. You know who it is. I feel like it's either Roy or Keeley. He's here. He's there. He's, He's in the fucking way. It's Roy Kent. Kent. <laughs> Roy Kent. Yes. He, what about you? I, well, he lived up to the legend tonight. Um, he did. Because he's every fucking where. He's Roy Kent. He's every fucking where. I had, let me see. I had three favorite characters this episode. <laughs> Was one of them Danny Rojas? Rojas! It, it should always be Danny Rojas. Especially for that kick, that, he, that flip kick. That was crazy. That was pretty great. Um, So Roy for his sacrifice. Oh, Jamie for his growth and taking that path. I am a full-on... Jamie Tart, Phil Dunster, Stan. I don't know how I got here. And I do find it alarming. It's great. But it is the truth. I'm just, that's just where it is. And Sam for being Sam and coming through on cue. When we won, he played great in the game, except for he had like a little bit of a, a mix up with letting the ball get, I think he was involved in the offside thing, or maybe I'm misremembering that, but he missed up a little bit, but otherwise was great in the game. And he came through on cue with the goldfish line. Also, Looked real good in this episode. So I'm giving it to Sam because I adore him deeply. I know you do. Um, and our last superlative segment is hot brown water or your least favorite character. You know, I always figured that tea was just going to taste like hot brown water. And you know what? I was right. Yeah, it's horrible. Huh. No, thank you. Julia, what do you got? Okay, so it's going to be Rupert. He's in there just for a second. <laughs> but he's just the worst. Like, he just... He just remains the abject worst. You didn't appreciate seeing him on that couch at all, huh? I mean, I didn't appreciate seeing him sad because in this instant, I like I didn't want to see him sad, like I, I, because of what it represented. Yeah, you know what I mean. I don't like that Rebecca achieved her goal in the end. 
which is um yeah like it wasn't a good thing inadvertently yeah and he's just the worst (laughs) the worst he is the worst uh so for me it was jamie's deadbeat I only started coming around when you got a successful, abusive ass father. Fuck that. Yeah, dude. I should. I sh- uh, you would think it would be that guy, but like, I don't know his whole story. There's, he mushed. I know. I know what you're saying. I know a you had a grown, wonderful man who's trying like- his best. He's trying to grow, and this man mushes him. And people wonder. They look at Jamie and they go, "What's wrong with Jamie? Jamie's so egotistical. Jamie's an asshole." Blah blah blah. That's what he came from. I know. I'm gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna be like, if I was still in therapy, I'd be talking. I'd be talking to my therapist about this episode. Like, I have so many. I have deep, deep, deep feelings about all of this. Um. So yeah, that's who it was for me. He's a terrible human being. I wish him nothing but the worst. And I wish Jamie Tart and Phil Dunster all the best. And I hope that you're doing well and happy right now <laughs> because you're talented. Um. <laughs> Okay, and so the last thing that we're going to do before we say goodbye to season one of Ted Lasso is any themes that we had for this episode. Uh, um, you know I'm not good at this. Themes would be hope, hope in the face of despair. Yes, I like that phrasing. That's good. Um, I will ditto that. I will say I, re- I regret nothing. All right. Oh, God. There's so many, like, I have, like, a... a, a basically like a playlist of like songs and phrases that are they're playing in my head right now about not not having regrets um so they they hustled okay they pushed they tried all these unorth- un- unorthodox things um and my last comment i don't know if this is a theme but it's just that ted was right about everything ted is always right but truly matters ted is not always right he is always right i'm standing no, firm not. on this what truly matters is not whether you win or lose, but it's how you play the game because that's all you have at the end of the day and it's all that you can control. And Ted was right about everything. Give the man his props, okay? The gaffer to do all gaffers proud. Sure. <laughs> um, let's see if there's anything else that I wanted to say. Oh, you know, so just to close this out, like I think the big takeaway for the season for me is that, and this is, again, why I love that they didn't win is because the thing that Ted was sent there to fix wasn't like how successful this team was in terms of wins and losses. We actually see during the series, during the season, that they have some pretty good players, especially when Jamie was there. But even without Jamie, they have Danny, they have Sam, they have Roy Kent, who's a fucking legend. Yeah, they have Zero. Yeah, they have Zero, who's like great playing goalie. You know, they're they're not lacking in skill. They were lacking in heart. And they were lacking in belief and self-confidence and being together as a unit and having any type of resiliency um, and belief in themselves because they came into everything defeated until Ted Lasso would get up there and say his little hokey sayings from America and give his speeches. And you saw that by the end of it, the team was remade. Okay. Remade in the image of like little Ted Lassos or like little burgeoning Ted Lassos. So he gave them the heart that they lacked. Um, And 
There will always be rival teams. There'll always be better teams. There will always be non-believing fans and people rooting against you. Maybe even somebody on your own side trying to sabotage you because sometimes it really do be your own people. But if you believe you won't let them win, or at least you won't lie down and let them win, and you might just overcome it. That might just be the thing to take you to a position of, if not actual victory, moral victory. I loved it. I loved every single second of it. Um, And I can't wait. I can't wait for season two. I'm very excited for season two. And um, our next episode will be season two, episode one. We're going to continue the saga of what happens with AFC Richmond. And um, I look forward to it. So join us next time, y'all. All right. See you next time. See you next time. Bye. Adios. Bye-bye. I was okay. going to say farewell. So long, farewell, after you saying goodbye? Yeah. I'm trying to remember goodbye in French. Adieu. Au revoir. Adieu. Au revoir. Is it adieu? What's au revoir? Later. Oh, See okay. you again. Oh, right, technically. Right. In the meantime, we'd love to hear from our listeners. Follow or subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. And send your comments, theories, and just any general feelings you have about what we covered this week to tviuslifepod at gmail.com. And we may cover it on an upcoming episode. Thank y'all for listening. Until next time, take care of your characters and each other.